podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hiya, it's the Team Talk. I'm Josh Sexton. I'm joined today by Craig Hannon, by Kev Walsh and by Chloe Bloxham. We're going to do a bit of looking ahead to Chelsea, a bit of looking back at Watford as well. Jürgen Klopp has just held his pre-Chelsea press conference. going to have Rebecca Knight on later in the show to tell us a little bit about what we think we can expect from the opposition, although I'm expecting them to probably rotate just as Liverpool will. But uh, Craig, first off, the sort of the big news item of the day, if you, if you want to call it that, which Klopp was responding to in his press conference, was, was Neil Critchley moving to Blackpool. Now, it's, it's obviously a bit of a shame when, when staff leave the club in this way because obviously it means that the club have to then go out and find replacements and things like that. It sort of does does leave a bit of a hole and, and there's obviously debates about whether Critchley will want to take staff that he's worked with at the academy with him to, to Blackpool as well. But for me, I sort of look at the academy as, as, as being part of this sort of wider business thing for Liverpool almost it is a bit of a production line I think that's as much about the well it's obviously a lot more about the players but is it but it is about the coaches as well so I sort of think that most people at the club will look at this as as, as a positive thing that you know clubs from outside are looking at our academy looking at our coach and saying they're the ones that we want to have as our managers it's the same with any work environment isn't it you want to you want to better the the individuals that are in the business and you know we don't like to think of football as a business but whenever we we're talking about people getting new jobs off the back of um the job that they've done at the club um you, you kind of have to in that regard and he's and he's he's done a brilliant job, um, Critchley, to be honest, because you hear so many of the footballers and how highly um, they speak of him and and talk of him not just as you know as 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 a nice fella like you'll know yourself from going down to the academy and interviewing him as a nice fella, but also someone who's you know very knowledgeable and you know he's acted as a little bit of a gateway as a link to um, you know between. Uh, the youth teams and and into the the first team and you know Trent cited him quite often as being you know having a massive impact in his career and Trent's now the best right back in the world and and there's so many of them that we're seeing now coming through that play in exactly the same way the same mantra as what Klopp expects from his from his teams and his players um, and we're seeing that and Neil Critchley's a massive part of that and I think you're right I think it's it is a positive obviously you'd be missed in the academy that the, the young players that play with him and work with people that work with him every every um every day and every week will miss him but um you know it's it's a decent little job that he's got there isn't it um to go from a youth a youth team manager into um Blackpool and League 1 are they League 1 yeah I think I think yeah, <laughs> yeah. so um didn't research that one enough. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I threw you under the bus, didn't I? <laughs> threw it right on you as the host, didn't I? Um, and and they are League One, just to confirm. I've just checked. Yeah. What I, guess I knew that, that anyway. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's 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 a positive, and it's and it's also you know there's there's a part of you that worries. Does that set, upset the apple cart a little bit? Um, you know, at, at such a such a brilliant time for for the under twenty threes and 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 for the the young players that it's producing, but ultimately for the club and 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 for the people surrounded by by Neil or surrounding Neil Critchley, it has to be seen as a bit of a positive. And Kev, I don't think it needs much more vindication at this stage. Because I think you've, you've sort of seen in the results that that Liverpool, those Liverpool teams have had the rotated sides in, in the cup. That Klopp's decision to, to to play them teams been vindicated. His decision to go on the winter break with the senior lads as as he sort of you know prom- promised he'd do. But this seems like more vindication now, I think, because he, because you know, as Craig says, you're better in the people in, in your business by almost not not necessarily putting Critchley in the shop window, but by giving them them opportunities to to better himself as well. And now, and now he's going to be able to go and do that at a, a proper club. Yep, yeah, and he's not the first either. Is he obviously Steven Gerrard starts with the under 18s It's a little bit different with Gerrard because of who he actually is. Yeah. But does Mike Marsh has gone on some. Big, not necessarily bigger and better things, but has been given opportunities through it. There's another coach well, whose name was Gooch me at the moment, and I think it's it's a good barometer for the health of the club. So the players that are coming through look like they're ready for the first team because they play in a way that's it runs from top to bottom in the club. 
But then obviously our coaches must be doing something right to be getting these opportunities as well. You look at for for an under twenty threes coach like Neil Crittery, it must be a little bit of a difficult job really because I think you covered some of the um, what the EFL trophy games was it all yeah yeah so, and they, they, they didn't do very well in them necessarily but they played in the same way that they're supposed to play and that might not at the time it must be hard for Neil Critty because he might be looking at the game going if we just done this and went like four five one or whatever it might be we might have a chance of beating Oldham Athletic or whatever's in front of them but you've got to sort of bow down to the greater good by letting the players play in the the system that is going to get them into the first team and. It might, they might have to learn a lesson by getting beat by someone like Oldham or whatever, getting bullied off the ball. But then when they come into the first team, like especially when they come in surrounded with other players, they've looked fantastic. That, like that Shrewsbury game at Anfield was absolutely brilliant, wasn't it? I, I, I was one of the ones who was just like, oh, I'm not bothered about this. But then when I got in there, it was, it was brilliant. It was a game I'll probably never forget because you're looking at the young kids playing, and there was some of them looking at them and they look like babies. Like they were so small in comparison <laughs> to the players they were playing against. But they played like like men because they took on the responsibilities, and that's what that that's the seed that runs right through the club, and it means that probably listening to the city will be the same with every squad. Ninety five percent of them probably won't make it at Liverpool, but if you get that five percent or two, you're talking players like Trent coming through, and that's when you're a team like Liverpool. If you can get an academy prospect every ten years, which is probably what we've been having for the last couple of decades, isn't it? Maybe every five years or whatever. If you can improve that by even a year, the money you're talking about saving. A is massive, but also the ones that don't quite make it. You look at Harry Wilson, looks like a very good player, scored a lot of goals relative for Bournemouth. The money you're going to be able to take in from that and then put back into the club, and football's a business. But the fact that the players have developed to that level, you'd imagine more of the Liverpool Academy players who don't make it at Liverpool will go on to have a career in the game because the stats for, for kids who don't make it at top level clubs is it's, it's awful. Like there's there's some terrible stats out there, and most of them are not even playing the game by the time they're twenty one. Whereas you feel with these Liverpool players, they've just got that little bit extra, bit more all rounded. And again, it goes back to the fact that the club is run from top to bottom in the same way. And it, it, it's that's credit to not just Jurgen Klopp but to FSG as well for putting the, the the system in place that they have. Liverpool might actually benefit as well because you know Critch will know the players, and 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 if there's a few of those lads that maybe need a bit of football. Um, going to League One to play at Blackpool just down the road. They won't have to move. Yeah. There isn't there isn't lots that they'll have to change about their daily routine, and and it might get some some of the young lads, uh, you know, some minutes. And but we, we we talk loads about culture on this one, don't we? And we we talk about how if you take one person out of um you know if you take someone out of the club, it shouldn't the house of cards shouldn't fall down because of that. If the culture is as strong as we think it is, then you know there should be someone that steps it steps in immediately. I think it's is it the head the the analyst? Uh, did I read that right? That one of the analysts or something put him in place like, yeah. Like, temporarily. Yeah. yeah, and that that'll be someone that'll have worked very closely with Critchley on a, on, a, on a daily basis and understand what the role entails and understand the players better than anyone and suddenly then he's getting given an opportunity and then he might be the next Neil Critchley and so on and so on that's that's how it should work yeah and that was how the old boot room worked as well wasn't it which is what I think most people sort of still pine for to this day but Chloe for me it, it sort of shows how, where the club are reputationally at the moment as well because as, as Kev said there one of the things that a team like Blackpool would have probably looked at with Critchley is, is that he you know adopts this sort of system which Liverpool have and there'll be a lot of teams who are casting sort of envious glance at, at Liverpool you know, you know not in terms of how we play at the moment or, or where we are in the league and that kind of thing but you know as, as a club the way we run top to bottom it, it just shows that we are setting the example and there'll be other clubs who want to follow that now Yeah exactly and I think the the amount of opportunities not just players get but staff get um, you know when 
you talk about Jurgen Klopp as a manager, one of the best managers, if not the best in the world, and he could not be that person who he is without the analysts and his background, staff and Pep Linders. He couldn't do any of that. And then he's also the type of guy who understands those around him and says to them, you know what, I value this much, I actually want to give you this opportunity, I want to be happy for you if you do well, and if you don't do well, I've got some pointers of where you can go right on how to improve. And it was even like when Steven Gerrard was still here and when he left, Steven Gerrard came out on, on numerous occasions and said, I'm still in touch with him. You know, he helps me. I can always come to him for questions. And I think that's a bit like critically. Um, and, and, and you saw it in the fact that Jürgen Klopp, maybe the opportunity against Aston Villa, he couldn't do nothing about. I, I totally get that. Um, and, you know, against Shrewsby, maybe it was a bit of... Uh, spite. Yeah, he's trying to make a point, wasn't yeah, he? Yeah, exactly. But at the same time, he must believe in Critchley and he must believe in those players and in the youth academy to be able to give them that opportunity because even though he doesn't care maybe for the competition, you still want to succeed and titles are the way to show how successful you are. You know, if you have a great season, 97 points, if we didn't win not in that season we wouldn't really be remembered. We'd be remembered from our perspective because that's the best Liverpool team I've ever seen. But from everyone else around the world, they'd be like, well, you were at your best and City still beat us. You know what I mean? So now we've got that installed in our whole, from our youth academy to our highest point. And the respect between each of them, you know, the fact that we were losing... And we lost 5-0 to Aston Villa. But at half-time, Jürgen said, keep being brave. You know, keep playing the way that we always try and play. Because changing the system isn't going to help. Because day in, day out, they're learning the system to go to Liverpool, to be a first-team player, to maybe in those League Cup games and actually have the opportunity to prove themselves and maybe end up on the subs bench. And next season, maybe have a glimpse of hope to play in the Premier League. But the fact that... We don't change our rules no matter who we play or we, we change tactics in a way, but our style is never, ever changing. And and for that, to see it run through the, the whole academy and, and it just shows what we stand for and the fact that, you know, each and every one of us want us to do, want us to be well and do proud and, and proud for the, the, the city, the team. I mean, you probably talked to Neil Critchley and now he said, oh yeah, Jürgen's probably sent me a text saying, congratulations you deserve it because that's the type of people we have at our club we are proud and happy for each other for the opportunities that we get and and for that it's something that other clubs don't have yeah i think it goes out saying that everybody wishes neil critchley all the best at blackpool as well uh kev i looked at the lineup for this show and, and I, I sort of smirked before because we've been having a big debate in the office this morning about about the sort of fallout from the watford game um dejan lovren in particular was was one of was one of the big bones contention you and chloe were on different sides so what i was probably on i think craig was somewhere in in, in neutral ground just occasionally chipping in but I think there's there's, there's been a bit of a, a a sort of rush of people trying to sort of boil it down to, to a few reasons the reason we lost to Watford and to be fair you know Klopp's, Klopp's quotes are, are sort of what you'd expect from him look he's a manager having to do a job at the end of the day and having to maintain morale and things like that and he, he gets asked about whether Henderson's absence was, was probably partly to blame he gets asked about whether Lovren's inclusion was probably partly to blame and I think he, he's, he's sort of fair in what he says about you know Lovren maybe not being up to the rhythm of, of some of the other players and things like that because of the, of the fitness issues he's had but I think this this is one of them where 
when you look at the Watford defeat, there there are a load of reasons why why it happens, and I think you have to sort of share that blame as a team, and that's what Jurgen Klopp will, will be telling his players. He'll be he'll be sitting down in whatever team meetings they have and say, look, this this is not just on one of you or one of you; it's on it's on every single one of us. And that's and that's totally right. And if Klopp come out and slaughters Lovren, like nearly everyone else has, including myself, you'd be thinking, what what are you doing? Yeah. Because he's his manager. Yeah. But for for us as fans, we 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 had a little argument in the office before, didn't we? Me and you and. You said it was confirmation bias on my side, and I thought about that before. And you're right, it is confirmation bias, but it's confirmation bias because I've seen him do it so many times. We were saying, was he shit? And I said, yeah. And then you said he's not because he plays for Liverpool. And I, I defended my position, but I'll, I'll admit, he's not he's not a shit footballer, but he's, he's not good enough for Liverpool. And the idea of him being a good fourth choice is solid until he actually has to play. So if he has to play f- for 10 games... Well, we, as we discussed in the office, he can't do that because he never played more than six or seven. But when he does get a run, he generally gets to par somewhere somewhere in there. So he does okay then. But then he comes in a game like the other day and obviously everyone else around him had poor games. But I'm no doubt that his his being there and his actions dragged everyone else's level down even further than they already were. So you look at... You look at... Troy Deeney after a match said... He just wanted to fight me. And Troy Deeney, <coughs> you have to, you do what the opposition don't want you to do. So you ask the question, what does Troy Deeney want to do? Wants Troy to Deeney wants to fight and he yeah. wants to scrap and he wants to have you all over the place. And Virgil van Dijk and Joe Gomez would have just gone, no chance, mate. You haven't got, we're not getting involved. Whereas Lovren's just gone, oh yeah, I live for this. But the problem is, he's living for it. He's going for headers on the halfway line, as we discussed before. Rob pulls up some stats. He's going for headers on the halfway line where he should never be. And because he's done that, he's left a big hole, which other people have then got to fill. Listen, he's, I think he's gone at the end of the Klopp, season. And Klopp, Klopp talks about that thing, that's that sort of losing the headers early, early on, because I think that's one of the one of the main criticisms of Lovren, Craig, that, that sort of always happens, really, is uh, Klopp says, Deeney causes these sorts of problems for all defenders, but losing the first ball is never a problem because Troy cannot score from there. It's the mistakes that came after that that are the problem. He's an outstanding centre-half, and look, whether you think he's an outstanding centre-half or not, I think there's, there's there's a genuine point in that, is that you know if Lovren comes into a team and makes mistakes, and like Kev says, if, he, if he's in danger of dragging other people's level down, then the other players around him have got to be the ones to step up and, and drag that level back up for themselves. Uh, yeah, and also, though, like... When I saw the, the, the starting lineup, I kind of understood if Joe Gomez isn't about I kind of understood him playing Lovren. And you know, you talk about um about doing the thing that Troy Deeney doesn't want you to do, but you know, if Troy Deeney wants to fight, he'll he'll have a fight. And if he's looking at Matip, like there's been times where Matip, you know, if you want if you want a defender in a fight, it's not Matip, really, <laughs> is it? And it's not so when I saw the starting lineup, I was sort of understood because I thought, well, you know, if Dejan could put in a decent performance here, which he obviously didn't. But if before the game, if he can, um, he's the one to sort of stand up to Troy Deeney. So I think you can look at that two ways, really. Um, look, it was a really disappointing performance. It was a disappointing performance by, by you could say, probably 10 players, um, you know, at least. <laughs> you know, and, and, and 14. Yeah. And, and look, I, you know, there's been a lot of sort of talk around. Um, you know, some of our post-match reaction where um, people have called Lovren for all sorts and, and so on. And it's one of them where it's like, well, that's, you know, it's representative of, of what was happening in the way. And I was at the game and and people were calling them for all sorts. And whether that's right and wrong or, well, you know, it's, you know, it's not nice, um, but it's, 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 it's been a footballer and it's been a football yeah. fan and it's frustration immediately after the game. And, um, 
you know, there's been, I know what Kev says, look, there's been far too many times in, in Lovren's time at Liverpool where it's, you know, he's done something, you think, I never want to see him in Liverpool top again. I remember after the Spurs game, I tweeted that. But then he, you know, from then, he, he, you know, he's he's part of the centre-back pairing that gets us to Kiev. You know, he plays a small part on the way to um, um, to, to winning the, 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 the European Cup last season. And generally, over the past two seasons, when he's come in, he's been he's been signed um i just i sort of look around the premier league and look at well if you know i'm looking at other other people's fourth choice i'm looking at man city's and thinking well you know they've john stones makes a you know as a as a baden at the weekend or you know i'm looking at arsenal's defense united's defense chelsea's defense they're just com- compared to ours the the four there aren't many better do you know what i mean yeah so it's 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 it's, it's all relative isn't it um and it's raw at the minute and it, and it, and it, you know it, it wouldn't surprise me if he plays tomorrow night and, and he puts in a, a, a good performance and it's kind of all forgotten about, but um, we'll, we'll we'll soon see. I think there's interesting points there, Chloe, in, in what Kev and Craig both say, particularly Kev saying that you know about Lovren being fourth-choice centre-half and Craig comparing to other centre-halves in the league. Because I think this this is one of the conversations we probably had on this on this show or on several shows throughout the season. If you talk about Liverpool's strength and depth, and as a fourth-choice centre-half, Dejan Lovren is not is not a bad one to have at all. But the problem is is that how do you get get a fourth-choice centre-half rhythm? And, and you could say, well, he should he should be good enough to come into the game and not sort of ha- make the mistakes he does because he should be you know good enough to, to play for Liverpool Football Club in, in whatever situation he gets thrown into. But there is a genuine thing there of you know if you look at you, you've got an injury to your first-choice centre-half, you bring in your, your third or fourth-choice whichever one he is and there, there is there are going to be sort of teething problems there and, and I, I sort of think this I suppose it's the point I was making upstairs to, to, to both of you is that I think it's harsh to say that he drags other other players levels down because those other players should be good enough to, to put in their own performance regardless of what he's doing yeah I can understand that and, and it's a fair point because Fabinho for me is if not the best CDM in the in the world right now, since he's came back, he's been jittery. He hasn't he hasn't been good enough. He's been bad on the ball, in and out of possession. So no, you can't expect, especially not a fourth, um, centre half to actually go into a game and produce this outstanding performance. But at the same time, when you're the world champions, European champions, soon to be Premier League champions, he's expecting to play better than what he did. And whether it was his, whether it was focus, whether it was concentration, whether it was lack of belief, even though he seems like a person who doesn't really I have. Say, that. I think it might be too far the yeah. other way. He believes too much yeah. in his own ability. Genuinely, that's an issue. It's watching the game. I was getting annoyed with the fact that he wasn't watching the ball. He was watching the man. It, I think. It, I think it's for the third goal. It's a throwing. Yeah, it bounces over him. And he bounces yeah. over him because he's just he's just got his arms around Troidini. There's there was one where it was like a possible penalty or something because he's got his arms all over Troidini, and you just like play the ball, not the man. That's what you always get told, no matter where you are on the pitch. If you're in a defensive situation, play the ball, not the man. Keep your eyes on the ball. Yeah, obviously, you need to know your awareness of the other players around you because what if something bad goes there, I need to recover. But at the same time, these these mishaps shouldn't happen. Him not winning the first ball, yeah, it may lead to other errors. But there's so many times where he should win that, head, that header and he doesn't. And I understand Joel Matip is not the person who you'd want in a, in a fight against Troy Deeney, but I do believe he'd win more headers than what Lovren did I, the other day. I think the thing with Matip is, you, I'd, I'd have picked Matip ahead of Lovren on Saturday, just for the reason, 
you don't want to be in a fight with Troy Troydini wants to be in a fight with you. Take that away from him and make him play football and you're going to get the better of him. And I think Matip would have been a lot more likely to sit in and let things happen. You wouldn't have seen Matip going for them headers on the halfway line. It wouldn't have happened. But Lovren felt like he, it felt like he got into himself into a battle and he wasn't willing to realise that by winning the battle, which he didn't in the end anyway, he was losing the war. It's more important to be part of the unit. So when you're saying about... It, the other players should be able to drag their level up around them. I disagree with that. The defensive unit is exactly that. It's a unit and it should be well coached and it, it is well coached. So for Lovren to be so out of kilter with the rest of them, that's why I feel you can put the blame on him. Listen, he's a professional footballer and you don't want to be slagging anyone off, but at the end of the day, his job is to is to do what's best for the defensive unit, not what's best for his ego. And getting into that battle with Troydini for me was more about Lovren's ego than it was about defending. It's funny we're, at, we're having this sort of discussion around the defence and the midfield created nothing and we had one yeah. shot on target yeah. from the this, attackers. This is what we, I've been saying we looked, we looked, you know, we just looked blunt um, up top and so... You know, with the with the best will in the world, we can we can talk about Lovren and and you know the defensive frailties that that were shown at the weekend. But we didn't offer anything from anywhere else on the pitch. Yeah, I think there's fair points on all sides in there. If you disagree with anything Kev said, it's at Kev Walsh underscore on Twitter. <laughs> anyway, so make, make sure you go and let him know if you disagree with anything he said. I think he's been unreasonable at all. But uh, we'll we'll talk a little bit about, a bit more about the team selection for Chelsea in the second part. But first, going to hang you with now to Rebecca Knight, who's going to give us the opposition view. Okay, we're joined by Rebecca Knight now. Um, Rebecca, how, how how are you feeling about this tie with Liverpool? How important is the FA Cup to you and to Chelsea? I mean, I think now it's obviously become a lot more important. Um, maybe before the Bayern Munich game, it was sort of like, oh, it's the FA Cup, it'd be nice, but it's not necessarily the top priority. Top priority is obviously getting top four, then maybe having a run in the Champions League. But But now it's become, I think, so important on a number of levels. Yeah, the 3-0 th- the defeat to Bayern is quite damaging, isn't it, obviously, and, and, and probably takes that away, although, you know, 3-0 wins, 3-0 advantages have been turned over in the past, you never, ever know. But I wanted to ask you as well about, about the Frank Lampard situation because it's hard to sort of get a grip on that from the outside looking in. What, what's his standing now? I know he's a club legend and I know you're all loving from that respect, but as a manager, and I know there was the transfer ban and everything else, but how's he how is he perceived by the support at the moment? Does he does he need this win massively in the FA Cup or is he on fairly good ground anyway? I think it depends who you talk to. And I think we all know, especially in you know this age of social media, what people that maybe don't spend all their time on Twitter think are slightly different to yeah. the ones that do. And you know, if you read Twitter after a game, you're thinking, oh my God, he's he's the worst manager we've ever had, Lampard out, you know, let's boo him every game. And then if you talk to some fans, I think, especially ones that maybe understand a little bit more about what Chelsea are like and have been there for a lot of time, you know, I think they're very much like this. This is just a work in progress and let's support him no matter what. And I think in reality that the truth probably lies somewhere in the middle. You know, I I don't think there's any denying that he got the job because of nepotism. He absolutely did. He was in no way qualified compared to some of the other candidates. But then I guess you could say he's uniquely qualified because he knows so well how we work. He has this relationship with the fans. It was so dreadfully toxic after Sari. So I think you've got to take the rough with the smooth. And I think this FA Cup game has for sure become so much more important you know if we got turned over by i mean god knows what teams top 
Klopp's going to put out and he must be devastated he's got to manage it himself now but <laughs> you know if we got turned over by Liverpool's semi-children I, I think that's a, a big problem <laughs> Uh, I mean, we don't know what the side's going to be either. We're guessing as well at our end. But in terms of the side that Chelsea might put out, um, Lampard was asked about that and he says he's not going to pick a team to casually give minutes to players. He says he's going to treat it like he would any Premier League game. But then equally, so the next sentence he was talking about, that doesn't mean I'm not going to change the side. I mean, what, what are you expecting to see and what, or what would you like to see the side to be against Liverpool? I mean, I'm not totally sure we even have players we can give casual minutes to at this point, <laughs> unless unless we go full cowpaw kids and you know pluck them from the under 18s or whatever. Because we we do have you know a few injury issues, and then we've got players who are just completely ostracised. To be quite honest, I, I want to see Kepa play because I think we've put ourselves in a, a very dangerous situation by completely ostracising him and dropping him. You know, if Caballero gets injured from now to the end of the season or suspended, we're going to have this kid who's a shell of himself playing and who feels no confidence. Um, I think the striking situation is obviously a disaster. I wouldn't play Tammy Abraham because he seems so, you know, injury prone at the moment. It's almost like he's made of glass. So I feel like we, we probably should play with a Giroud, but then we don't seem to play the right tactics to play to Giroud sometimes so it's, it's very very difficult and then when you look at people like you know Christian Pulisic they've been injured for you know months on end yeah Hudson Adoy is picking up injuries here and there so it, it it's difficult I suppose um Kante is obviously out still so it, it's a strange situation to be in I would personally go with more consistency and try and get a win with a team that we want to play for the rest of the season or at least you know the majority of it I think if you take somebody out that's on a really good run of form right now I'm not sure that that's super helpful because this now is a huge trophy for us I mean, Chelsea have been a little bit porous at the back, haven't they? And I think that's been one of the big problems. And obviously, a, a disappointing two-all draw from your perspective against Bournemouth in the league there. And then obviously, just home form as well in general. I mean, I always say, I, I would always argue about any side really that you know you, you've got to be good at home. If you're a good side, you're good at home. That's where that's the basis for anything really. And it's been a bit of a struggle, hasn't it, for Chelsea this season? Five defeats in the Premier League and obviously losses in the Champions League and the League Cup as well yeah i mean the the defensive issue it's something that lampard had issues with at derby and you know when i'd watched derby last season i think god you have the same defensive issues every single game and you don't seem to know how to fix them and the exact same issues have translated to chelsea and you know we had a lot of issues under sorry but these certainly weren't any of them and now i think however he's coaching or whoever he's relying on to do these coaching plans and stuff just to be blunt, is in no way good enough because every single dead ball, we have this huge problem. We're getting cut apart. You know, there's there's absolutely no protection for, for the defence from midfield 90% of the time. Against Bayern Munich, some moron thought it was a good idea to throw Reese James to the wolves, basically, for 60 minutes. You know, anybody with half a brain would have stuck Willian on from the start just to give him some protection. It's like we think he's Trent and he isn't. You know, he doesn't have that experience. So, of course, he's going to make mistakes. And I feel like we're we're in this dreadful situation in terms of defence. But Lampard is literally like, you know, an ostrich with his head in the sand. He, he almost reminds me of Arsene Wenger at some point towards the end of his Arsenal reign when 
He just refused to acknowledge certain issues. And Lampard will go on and on and on about how we can't score and how the attack is a problem and how we need more goals from the rest of the field. But it's like, pal, there's no point scoring goals if we can't keep a clean sheet. You know, we scored two against Bournemouth, but they also scored two. You know, this is this persistent issue. And even when you look at the Ajax game in the group stages, you know, you think if you score four goals in a Champions League like game, you're pretty safe. Not when you're Chelsea, you're not. So that, that's, that's a huge issue. And the home form as well. You know, I remember the times of Jose Mourinho 1.0. And you just never thought you were going to lose that game. And we had such a kind of proud record. And we know these days how, how tough it is. And, you know, anybody that wants to tell you this is a weak Premier League is either a Man City fan or wrong. Because it just... <laughs> isn't that's absolute rubbish you know we look at teams like Norwich and Villa and Watford the ones down you know fighting for their lives and they've had some really big results this season I've seen people say Norwich are maybe the best best team ever to be bottom of the league you know mm. and it, it's absolutely wild because it's so strong and when you can't win your home games you're then going to these places and you're thinking this is an away game that we might not win well we're not winning the home game so where are these consistent points coming from I just wonder about you made the Liverpool as well Rebecca because obviously we're looking at Chelsea and I'm looking at your recent results and I'm thinking okay well they only drew with Bournemouth and they were tonked by Munich and you know United beat you yeah, you drew at Leicester they're all fairly recent results but equally I guess you know you must be looking at Liverpool we obviously lost 3-0 at the weekend and we were awful against Watford we lost to Atletico we didn't play well against West Ham and you could even argue we didn't play particularly well against Norwich as well so it, I mean the bookies are actually making as we speak Chelsea marginal favourites to win this game I mean that may well be based on the fact that like we said before that you know, it could be an inexperienced side again that Klopp fields. We don't know. He was very guarded about that in his press conference earlier. He didn't really give anything away one way or another. Although he did say it's a different situation, as obviously to Shrewsbury Town. But what 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 are your thoughts and what are the feelings generally? The, the sense you get from Chelsea fans about about Liverpool right now. I mean, I, th I think the majority of Chelsea fans find beating Liverpool second only to beating the Tottenham. You know, I don't yeah. think there's a, a lot of love lost there. But obviously, you know, my, my husband's a Liverpool fan, so I watch them sometimes more than I watch Chelsea, it feels like. And good God, I've been reminded what a horrible person he is when you lose because <laughs> it had been a long time. And, you know, I think since the winter break, it's, it's not been the greatest, but ev every team does go through these lulls. And, you know, sometimes it's just, one of those games and you just watch them and you just think oh god today is not a good day and you know watching the Watford game it was like that is a oh god today is is a really bad day at the office but then I think the way the players are talking about reacting from it and you know going we've got to bounce back immediately it's like oh cheers lad so so glad we've got you <laughs> in the right next game cannot wait you know, Bayern Munich are saying this tie isn't over because look what Liverpool did last season. I'm like, how do Liverpool manage to do this to us even when they're not involved in the situation? <laughs> but I feel like, you know, if so, sometimes I think if, if some of the kids play, they're going to have this, this huge will to want to win and pride because they're the ones that have got you so far. And, you know, I've watched them and my God, they're not that shabby, are they? No, they're not so, bad. You know, it's not like you're putting in... I, I guess somebody that's completely useless and I think with with a bit of that and a bit of the experience I still think it's a really good side and we are so vulnerable in so many different areas 
you just you just worry that you know when when you see these young kids taking on shots that maybe the the older players wouldn't but because they're so full of confidence and stuff you're thinking oh god you know caviar is gonna have a field day with that i mean Keppel would as well at the moment so i i look at it and i just think if if we lost now it's a lot worse than if we lost i think a month ago to be quite honest i think if we lost now it's a big big problem uh, finally rebecca just give us a score then what, what, what do you think it's going to be oh god um <laughs> dad, yeah. she laughs but she cries inside um <laughs> i feel like it might be two two one liverpool i i don't feel like it's going to be poles apart because i think even when one of liverpool or chelsea are going through a horrible time in form these games always seem to you know lift um the best out of the two clubs because of the the recent history and how many times we end up playing each other over a season usually so i think it, i think it'll be quite a cagey but really good game and i, I yeah 2-1 liverpool in my opinion well, that sounds good to me yeah thanks very much for that rebecca thanks for taking the time and speaking to us no problem. Yeah, nice one to Rebecca there. Always great to hear, hear her opinions. Uh, Craig, I said to you before the show we're going to be a, we're going to be picking a team. So I've seen you've you've written yours down. It's, it actually looks pretty similar to mine. To be fair, do you want to uh, do you want to read it out for the listeners? So um, I have gone with uh, Adrian Nigger Williams. Now this is what I think he'll go with. This isn't what I would necessarily go with. No. Um, Adrian Williams, uh, Gomez, Matip, Milner, um, Fabinho. Uh, Curtis Jones, Lalana, Origi, Minamino, and, and Oxford Chamberlain. We talked a little bit before the show, and I mean, I'm generally I really want to win this competition, um, and and that's not even after the that's not even after the defeat at the weekend. Like you know, it feels like it means a little bit more. And you just said off, you know, you said a good point there. Was subconsciously around the club, it'll feel, you know, it might just play into the side that means a little bit more um, because of the weekend, but. Um, I just really want the day out of Wembley, and I want to. I want to win the FA Cup. I want to have the League and Cup double because you know, think of all the great Liverpool sides down the years that have done that, and, and I want us to do that as well. And I want us to be going into May uh, with the opportunity of winning something, whether it's that, whether it's the European Cup. I want both. I'm greedy. We're all greedy, but that's okay because I want this side to to win as much as possible when it's as good as it is. Um, now. I would throw out Sadio Mane um, in this game um, rather than maybe Chamberlain and maybe move Chamberlain back in. Um, I do really want to see Curtis Jones. Um, I think I think he deserves it, and, I th- and I'm dead excited by it. To be honest, I think he's he's even when he's dropped down into the under 23s and you see the goals he's scoring recently. I think he's a player that can make a difference and he'd be bang up for this. Um, but yeah, I, I think that back four, I think that's who he goes for. He obviously he'll give Adrian a go again. I think he'll probably want to give Nico Williams a go again just after um, his performances in the competition so far. Um, and then Gomez Matip because Lovren played at the weekend. And you said Gomez is back, isn't that right? Yeah, he's he's like in his press conference that yeah. Gomez and Milner are going to be back. Um, so. My yeah, my my worry about the front three really is 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 Origi's looked at you know. He hasn't really looked. looked at, it, yeah. yeah, he has, and and Minamino's still tr- sort of trying to find his way. And if this is, um, you know, if this is a competition that I'm really wanting to win, then consciously I'm thinking, well, I just love us to play as good a team as possible. And I know we can't do that because there's loads of football to come and blah blah blah. Um, but I would still, I'd like a little, uh, like a Sadio Mane in there, just to sort of, just to show everyone that they, you know, yeah, we're making a few changes, but we mean business. We want to win this competition. Kev, any disagreements with that? I, I sort of think on the Origi point that the game, most of the games Origi's played have, have been against 
people's first teams. Now I know you can you can look at that in whichever way you want, but the reason this game may actually suit him is because I expect Chelsea to make changes as well. So he's he's going to be playing against lads who have probably got similar minutes, if not even less minutes, to to what he's got throughout the season. So it should really be the ideal opposition. It should be, yeah, but with Divox and Nick Willis, you know yeah. what I mean? Throw him in Planet against, Riga. throw him into the European Cup final, and literally he couldn't, he he couldn't pass the ball, but then the ball drops to him in the area and bang, it's a goal. He, he shot on Everton, by the way. Yeah, that, that, that was brilliant. But again, that, you put him into them games, and something comes alive in him. But pff, he hasn't had a great season, has he? I think starting one of the front three, and probably. I think really it is. It's Mane, isn't it? Because he usually does Mane, doesn't he? Yeah, well, you, and plus he's, you don't want to, you don't want to jinx him, but he's like, he's like the the, um, the Jorcel bunny, and he just goes and goes and goes. But he's the he's the one. If they do make changes, you can say because if you put him in and you can say to Rodrigo, well, listen, you're not just there with loads of kids. You've got you've got Mane next to you, and you, maybe you're playing through the middle or whatever. And then you put Minamino or whoever it is alongside them. Just gives everyone else around him a boost. But also, if they are playing centre-halves, you haven't necessarily got the, the minutes in the legs. They're thinking, oh my God, what am I going to do about Sadio Mane yet? And it just gives everyone around an extra little bit of yard of space to play into. So I, I personally, I'd go for one of the front three. And as you said there, subconsciously, maybe... I, I think I don't think the defeat on Saturday affects Klopp's thinking. But I think maybe he was already thinking, well, we're only a few games away from winning this. I might as well go for it anyway. And just putting one of the front three in is not going to break the bank sort of thing. So... I'd go with that at the back. Yeah, personally, I wouldn't put Lovren back in, but it's the type of thing that Klopp would do to say, "Well, listen, I'll show you all. I'm the gaffer here, and I'm telling you what's going to happen." <laughs> no, so, right, yeah. so, so I'm so I'm going to put him back in. So it wouldn't surprise me to see him there, but I would like to see Joe Gomez get them just get back in. And for whatever whatever what reasons, out for I think it was a muscle injury or something, whatever slight knock it was, get him back in there as well. Nico Williams, I think, if he doesn't play, imagine, imagine if he drops Nico Williams and Curtis Jones. Do you know what I mean? They'd be so pissed off, wouldn't they? Because they'd be so good. They, they, they deserve yeah. the place in there. And it, obviously, you got Harvey Elliott. Who's, he's announced that he's, he's going away with the, uh, the under twenties, is it or something like yeah. that in the European Cup game? So, I think he's going to have at least this, a smattering of the team players, and you'd say they they would be the two that have earned it the most. Curtis Jones in the middle of midfield, and Nico Williams on the right. I think Larucci's probably going to be unlucky and miss out to James Miller, who needs to get some minutes in his legs. I think the, the one thing, no matter who plays, is I'd like to think that in Millwood yesterday or Millwood today, they've all had it out of each other. You know, you know, like yeah. because these are football teams, and you know, whether something goes wrong in a football team or whether it goes wrong in in in, in your own workplace, wherever, like this is this is literally what they'll do. They'll be analysing, they'll be speaking to each other, and about how we can improve. And you know, we know the standards that they set themselves because they wouldn't have gotten to where they are and done you know broken all the records that they have if they didn't um so i'd like a bit of a a, a reaction uh, and you know whether that comes from anyone that played against watford and plays um against chelsea or whether it's just the lads that are you know on the bench and and want to show that they will maybe maybe have a chance of of getting in um chelsea's injuries are interesting because yeah. they got no pulisic no kante uh hudson hudson adoy uh on sammy abraham i think is injured as well so it'll be interesting to see who they play. They're going to have a changed lineup, aren't they? So, yeah, um, yeah it's 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 a big game for Liverpool. 
Yeah. Uh, Chloe, the one I've gone with is Adrian Williams, Matip Gomez, Milner, Keita, Lalana, Jones. And I, I originally had Elliot in there, originally had Keita in there. Obviously, it looks like he's not going to make it either. Uh, Origi and Minamino. I'd probably change that now to say that I think there's loads of arguments you can make around this in terms of in terms of rhythm. You know, Kevin Craig have both cited it there. I think Fabinho is one of them who I, who I feel like needs the minutes in his legs. Milner's one who needs the minutes in his legs. And I think the reason for playing Gomez in this one is because, well, he didn't play the weekend for one, but also Gomez has shown in these games where it is a bit more of a change lineup that he He's one of the ones who sort of can stand up and lead by example. And I think that will be needed as, as we've seen from the past few. Yeah, and it was just precaution that he was out um, over the weekend. But it's it, it's my thought process of, yeah, Lovren's had a shocking game. And, you know, instantly when we lost, I thought, thank God we have a game on Tuesday to set this right. That was my initial thought. Yeah. We don't have to have a week here where we sit and moan about it. We can get back on the front foot. And I think maybe that might be a tactic again to say to Lovren, go and shut everyone up, like, including myself. Go and shut them up. Like, you know, yeah, you may have had a horrific game, let's be honest, but, you know, show them that you are a world-class centre-half, you play for the best team, and that you, you can put in a shift. So I would not be surprised to see Lovren, and in fact, I said Lovren being my starting eleven just purely based on the fact that I think he needs to make it right because I feel like if you sit on that and the fact of people are coming at you still and you've had a bad game, you can think about it and psychologically it can affect you. Um, the other thing with Gomez is if he gets another knock in this game, have you risked him for something that isn't as important as the league or the Champions League, you know, is he fit enough at the fo- at the point where if he does get a knock, you know, he can instantly come off and just, you know, go and get some physio and stuff? Or is it the fact that if he gets a knock, he might be out for further weeks? Because Jordan Anderson, you know, at the beginning people said if he was out, we'd all be like, oh, sounds. But now it's even three weeks seems such a long yeah. time without Jordan Anderson. I don't think I could deal with three weeks of Dijon Lovren <laughs> at the back. I'm going to be honest. So I, I, that is my only worry with Joe Gomez that if, you know, he does get a knock, can he come back from it? And even then, you know, when even after the game out, a bit like Dijon Lovren, he wasn't on on top of it, he wasn't sharp enough. Maybe Joe Gomez can't, won't be as sharp and he might... In, in his mind at some point be a bit worried at the fact that if he overstretches or something he can do something to the muscle so there's a lot of psychological problems with that that, that main um, thing with Joe Game is just the fact that if he does put him in there and he gets a knock or something could that actually lead to further consequences for us um, but for me the, the other one was Fabinho which I do agree needs, needs time and needs minutes but Shiravella, I thought, has po- probably been one of the best players yeah, on the pitch. Actually, on to be fair, so yeah, yeah. Like, he, yeah. he has been quite... A, like To be fair, the performance he's put in, quite phenomenal, to be fair. But Fabinho does need minutes, so it's what you do. Because Lalana for me, is definitely going to start. Curtis Jones, you can't cut him out. Uh, it's, it's between, do you get the first team minutes for Fabinho, so then he can be sharp, because he will be in more games. Or do you give it to Shiravella, who has proved himself and does deserve the opportunity there's an ar- there's an argument to play more first team players than what I've said and I th- then, I th- and I'm starting to sort of talk and then rest that. a couple against Bournemouth mm. and I know that's not what people like to hear because you know we've just been beaten and you know it's you know we're 22 points clear um there is there's there's that argument 
I'm not even sure you need to wrestle them against Bournemouth, really. I don't, I don't think Klopp's sort of against these lads playing two games a week. Tuesday, Saturday's a long, season. It's, exactly. it's a relatively long space yeah. of time as well, isn't it? So I think the Bournemouth game, you, I, I, you, you look at the Chelsea-Bournemouth game, but then really what you should be looking at is Chelsea-Bournemouth at Let's Go, isn't it? That's the, yeah. that's the sort of the way they'll be working it. So I think he might be looking at... Would, would he want the first team to play those full three games? Probably... I wouldn't have said. I wouldn't no. say so. Um, is it? It's Wednesday, isn't it? The let's go game, yeah. isn't it? So it's Saturday, Wednesday again. So it's a decent. In fact, you know what? Wouldn't you be? Inter- would, would, wouldn't there be uh, some sort of conversation in the in the backroom staff for the same? Well, you know, we'll play a few of them on Tuesday, rest in Bournemouth, and you can be saying, well, we're resting them for for Madrid then, and then you go full strength again the, against Madrid. The thing mm. I'd say about Madrid is the fact that you know that atmosphere is going to be electric. Yeah. So whoever you put on that pitch, whether they're shattered or not, the atmosphere will keep them going. It'll give them adrenaline. That is the only thing with that Atletico game is the fact that even if they're shattered and you know they feel like they can't give, they will still produce yeah. because you've got that atmosphere around you and that atmosphere uplifts you. You saw it with West Ham. You know We went behind and instead of being deflated like we would have been a couple of seasons ago, we got behind them and the atmosphere went up to a different level and then we started performing. We we came alive, so I feel with Atletico, whether you play people on Saturday, where you play people today, even if you don't give them a rest, I feel like the adrenaline of that match will get them through it. I know, but with Atletico as well, like they're going to be difficult to break down, and if it gets to 70, 80 minutes and we haven't broken them down, it's still nil nil. You're gonna they're gonna need every sort of ounce of of energy that they've got, and I think. I mean that's what I would do, but I'm a I'm a bit of a risk taker, and I would you know I'd risk <laughs> dropping a few a, a few players against Bournemouth who look absolutely shite um, at home, um, and then uh, play the boys tomorrow night in in the cup and then play them next week in the cup. But yeah, it's going to be dead interesting to see when the team sheet does come out tomorrow. Uh, just to round off though, we'll do we'll do score predictions. So Craig, start with you. Um, I reckon there might be goals. You know, I'm gonna go. Three two. Three two. Okay. I was I was thinking three two. I think there'll be goals just because as you say both teams will be changed. I'd fancy us to go through, especially if we can if we do pick one of the front three, so we've got I'll have a three two as well. Chloe? Um I'm always gonna be positive, so a two one Liverpool. It's not a positive that. No, but it, <laughs> you're gonna say it like is. four nil to no, no, no. <laughs> It is to me because like it, it's an unchanged team and we're away. I feel like if we were at home I'd 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 say four nil because it's away. Um, I just feel like and Chelsea on they look garbage right uh, and they are shite <laughs> let's not lie but for some reason so te- Watford though and they've just fucking left decide it. to step up against us and it's all they've re- like the, they're out of the Champions League buy and smash them you know this is the only cup they can actually win so you know they will be up for it. That is why I don't think. I think it'll be a very exciting game end to end. I feel like there'll be chances, but I just feel like all the strikers are shit. So it's only going to be two one. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, exactly. I'll counteract uh, Chloe's positive pessimism there. With, uh, I'll, I'll say it'll be three one to Liverpool, but uh, the Invincibles thing's gone. So let's just go and win this fucking treble. Though. Sports Social Podcast Network.